0: Hello and welcome to episode the 19th of the internet's second podcast about comic books. This is Crying in the Book Club. I am your host, Jean-Luc, and I'm joined, uh, as always, by my co-host, Emily. Hello! And, you know, I have to declare victory in the Civil War. Uh, One piece has been removed. Uh, Alex has been brought to heel, unfortunately. Uh, the siege of of his final holdout, his final fortress. Uh, he has gone missing. We have not recovered the body, but rest assured, as soon as it is recovered, I will make an announcement and we will know that I have he has been fully defeated. And now I have one more target left, uh, but we're taking a break from hostilities to record an episode of the podcast
1: out of respect i will be holding a candlelight vigil for alex and his fallen brothers next week uh you can rsvp on facebook
0: great we'll put the uh the link to to that facebook event in the show notes if you're interested uh but emily how's it going
1: uh good i'm doing
0: good how are you john good i'm i'm good i'm good as we're recording this this isn't going to come out for a while but the holidays are winding down and so we're you know getting some podcasts in the in the in the tank for the old 2023 so it's exciting um and on this episode we're we're talking about uh, a book called this one summer uh which you know i it, it's always like i feel like i have to introduce it on the podcast even though everyone is going to like see the title and know what the the podcast is about beforehand but that's the that's the book we're doing this week uh cuz we needed funny, something
1: sort of a funny pick uh thematically just because uh it is very
0: much not summer it's, Yeah, we're
1: recording this.
0: <laughs> and, and it, you know, this, this is coming out in February, which is still very, very much not summer. not summer. But we, you know, the, the, we, we had to, to scramble to find something that was going to be like a quick and easy read. Which, I I, I thought this book was short, and then I remembered it's like, and then as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, this is like 300 pages. It's, it's not actually that short, but... It is a fairly breezy read, if nothing else. It's actually a perfect like nice summer like sitting out on the porch with a with a drink kind of read, I would say. Uh. But yeah. Um I guess we can probably just get into it. Yeah. Uh, no need to to do is anything this, else.
1: Is this our first repeat author on the show?
0: Yes. I think so. Yeah, I I believe it is actually. I, I'm just running in my trying to run in my head through what we've done, and I can't think of anybody else who's had a repeat. If if you had told me that, uh, well, I guess we'll get into it. But if you had told me that Mariko Tamaki would have been the first author that would have gotten a repeat on this show, I would have been a little bit surprised. Uh, not surprised that we'd be doing another book by her uh, because she has quite a few books that would be worth talking about on the show but mm-hmm. you know i would have thought we would have done another alan moore or another you know even <laughs> like a another mark wade or or or, Coop or kurt busaek before we got to uh before we got back to to mariko tamaki even like another um even another like brian leo malley like i would have guessed we would have done something by him before we we circled back on on, on mariko tamaki well, for
1: those guys should have thought about writing something that was
0: short. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they did. I just, I, I I didn't, like, it wasn't the first thing I saw yesterday when we were like, oh, we should record something. And I look at my bookshelf and go, oh, that one looks short. I, I had read it before, so I knew, the, I, I, like, knew the length. I'm like, oh, that's a small book on the shelf um that i can suggest that we can can do for a recording tomorrow
1: well i had not uh, read this so uh you know good excuse to do that i like yeah uh, mariko tamaki and so uh and i had not actually heard of this one and
0: uh yeah so. for for those keeping well, track at home excuse. For those keeping track, in a, keeping track, not keeping track at home, rather, this is uh, the writer behind uh, Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me, yes. which we did for episode five of the podcast. And if you haven't listened to that, you can go back and check that out.
1: Uh, um, different,
0: uh, different artist this time. Different artist. The artist is actually her cousin. Her cousin, Jillian Tamaki, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is their second collaboration. Uh Mariko Tamaki's first graphic novel, uh, Skim, was also drawn by Jillian Tamaki. So this is uh, their second outing together. This is uh, Mariko Tamaki's third graphic novel release. So it uh, came out in 2013, uh, well before. Uh, well, or 2014, rather. Sorry, I misspoke. Uh, but well before Laura Dean Keeps Working Up With Me, but also published by First Second. Um, and similar to Laura Dean keeps waking up with me. This book was also released to a uh, very positive critical reception. It was, you know, featured on many end of the year lists, uh, from both from comic book uh, outlets and also, you know, more traditional outlets. I believe it was on the New York Times best of 2014 list list of books, um, which is actually well, not the New York Times one specifically. I think it was probably like one of the more comic book focused sites, but it was on a lot of these lists, which is why I which is why I initially set out to buy it, despite even at the time it not necessarily being totally in my wheelhouse, but I was like, oh, I don't really know who this creative team is, but it's apparently very good. So I will go buy a copy and I will read it. And
1: I like that's a coming of age story and you love
0: a coming of age. Not in twenty fourteen though.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. That's (laughs) very true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not when I was I I read this I think I would have been, yeah, 17. So I, I hadn't I hadn't been almost famous pilled uh when I when I was seventeen, yeah. I took think we th- met
1: in twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen maybe.
0: Fourteen or fifteen would be about right. Be around yeah. there. Yeah. Um This One Summer, uh despite the critical accolades, was a wildly controversial book. Uh it was, was, it? was- Yeah, it was removed from multiple public libraries in 2016 uh, because it prominently features, uh, the plot prominently features drug use, sexual themes, and of course, LGBT characters as well. Uh, In 2016, the American Library Association named it as the number one most challenged book uh, in public libraries. Uh, Probably
1: Uh, that I, I imagine that has been usurped by genderqueer by now.
0: Yes, it, it has been usurped, though it did also appear on the 2018 list in the, at number 7, um, and was also again uh, attempted to be banned again in 2022. Wow, uh, I didn't hear anything about this. Yeah, it it sort of ends up, this one summer, like, it, it, it got this reputation because of, like, well after it came out, which, I mean... In some respects, it's probably kind of nice for someone like Tamaki. It's like, oh, a nice little bump in sales, I bet. Honestly, to get yeah. Um, but in, in 2016, the Comic Book Legal Legal Defense Fund actually started fil- motions motions to file a case to defend it and get it reinstated in the libraries. But it actually got reinstated. Like, the libraries put it back in before that case could actually go. That suit could actually go through Um But that is one other thing that I do remember is that that was a that was a big story in the sort of like indie comic sphere. Yeah. That's Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, when you it turns out when you make a book, a a book for young adults about things that, you know, young adults actually go through. A lot of actual adults are very weird about it.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, Although, like, I guess we, we will we'll get into it, but. This feels like a kind of a mild example of a book that is being challenged
0: this is very much like written for people in the 12 to like 15 age range like
1: told me like if i had gone into this with the knowledge that it had been challenged so much i think i would have had much different expectations
0: (laughs) well right because what it is and, and to get into the plot a little bit i guess i'll give the spoiler warning here um is it's a fairly straightforward story about which, by uh, the
1: way, you can just pause this episode and go read it and come back. I sat down after dinner to read this and was done in one sitting. It took yeah. like an hour and a half.
0: Talk. Yeah, it's 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 not super long and it's light enough that it's it's fairly easy to to get through yeah. in one sitting. Um, but it's uh, the story of two, like, teenager or preteen girls I don't remember if it actually mentions their ages explicitly uh, I don't remember either don't think Yeah, uh, their names are, are Rose and Wendy It mostly takes place from Rose's perspective uh, And they're sort of like summer friends Their families have summer ca- cabins that are in the same area on the same lake uh, And so they see each other and hang out a bunch every summer And this is, you know this summer that they, that they go up and see each other there is, you know, something's different. They're starting to, you know, grow up and come of age a little bit more and notice, be more aware of the world and their place in it. So it sort of splits its time between a lot of typical, you know, young adult antics of, you know, swimming in the lake and watching horror movies, sneaking horror movies, uh, which is, an, which honestly, that is my, by far my favorite element of this book is all That's the scenes scary. of them watching horror movies together and every time an adult walks in the room, slamming the laptop screen shut, um, which is adorable. Uh, and then also, you know, sort of becoming aware of some of the older people who live in that town, the older teenagers, especially uh, using drugs and, and, and having sex and sort of beco- like becoming aware of those things for the first time. And then there's this parallel story uh, of Rose's mother who is, from the beginning very clearly like in a state of, of 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 depression or something again not something that the book like explicitly gets into uh right off the bat and you know you later come to discover that they she the previous summer had had, had a miscarriage uh very early on in the pregnancy and that so she's sort of still kind of suffering from from postpartum depression uh a year later which i i suppose can happen um and it's led to they had
1: been like trying really hard to have a child like she was like doing ivf and stuff so like Mm -hmm. you know the the like culmination of like all of this effort and then like
0: had a miscarriage in the lake in the lake while she was swimming like it's obviously a place that's
1: supposed to be like a you know like almost like a sacred place for their
0: family right so a a very traumatic experience that's caused you know uh some ruptures uh in 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 her marriage uh, and that's obviously as it tends to do uh trickled down to 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 their daughter as well who you know is who, who o-
1: doesn't know they haven't yeah told her yeah I mean, she knows like some things, but you know she doesn't know about the miscarriage
0: specifically she's old enough to like it's like that perfect age where she's like old enough to infer a lot of things and under she she like understands a lot about it, but like not old enough to like fully put all the pieces together and get all of the context mm-hmm. of uh, what's actually happened uh, mm-hmm. to to her parents. Um, so yeah, that's sort of like the, the broad strokes uh, of, of the plot. There's also the, the storyline of Rose sort of, uh, you know, having a, a bit of a crush on one of the older boys who works at the, the, dual sort of general store video rental uh video rental store uh and his you know having impregnated his girlfriend uh which is sort of an undercurrent of the whole thing mm-hmm. um but at the end of at the end of the day it's all sort of in service of the story about the those two main characters Rose and and, and Windy and their relationship with each other and uh they're sort of growing up and 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 coming of age Mm -hmm. uh so yeah like i said i i I read this back when it came out i i haven't revisited it since it came out um but i really I, i i thought it was you know really well done when i first read it despite like i said earlier it not really being the kind of thing that at the time i was particularly into um Now this is more like, it's probably like closer to being something that you would expect me to like now than it was then, but still it's a little bit out of, it's still a little bit out, like it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a reach for me, but it is, you know, I still really like it. Um, But I'm curious because this was your, your first time reading it, Emily, what you, Mm -hmm. uh, what you thought about it.
1: Yeah, I like. I had not heard of this. I didn't know anything about what it was about going in. I didn't even look up a plot summary. I just like I got I got it and I started reading. And um, I, God, I really liked this book, which I'm sure comes as no surprise. This not is not really a hundred and ten percent up my alley. Uh, it's just like so many of the like so many parts of it felt so true to life and like felt so relatable like uh like okay so uh rose has like the crush on the guy who works at the store and she has this like animosity towards the towards the guy's girlfriend because she has this weird crush and like she's like doing all this like she's calling them sluts and like like engaging in all this like weird like slut shamey animosity like because she doesn't understand like her own feelings and like just so much of that like i remember like being a a kid that age and like saying things that like I didn't entirely understand, but I kind of thought I did because I heard other people saying them and like just yeah the, that, slowly. Well, yeah, you yeah, I, I was about to say another thing, but yeah, no,
0: that. I, I was just gonna say that scene where she's like jumping up and down on the couch, calling the other girl a slut, and her mom and her friend's mom are in the room, and they're like what the what did you just say about them yeah. like, which is such a true-to-life moment. I mean that like I, I kind of remember the first time I like I, I called I like I didn't really know that it was like a, a curse word or anything I just thought it meant someone was annoying but I I called uh, a character in a novel a cunt at the dinner table when I was like 12 or 13 I and it, it's a very Ooh, you know kind of like true-to-life moment
1: of all the words. I know Oh, that's so funny. I got in trouble uh, because my dad saw over my shoulder I used the word attention whore in, like, a (laughs) Yahoo instant
0: message. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, there's a lot of moments. I mean, there's a lot of moments like that in this book, right, Mm -hmm. that are so, like, yeah, that's what it's like to be this age where you think that you understand the world and actually do have a better understanding of it than a lot of people give you credit for but also like are not all the way there
1: the other thing i was gonna say was like you're like starting to like understand the idea of your parents as like human beings yeah because like you know like you you grow up and they're just like this you know, like this presence, this authority and like, it kind of takes a while to realize that like, they have like, maybe this sounds bad, but to realize that they have as much interiority as you do.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Like, and, and this is sort of that, like that age where you're starting to realize that there are things about your parents that like, you can't understand, even though like you feel like you should be able to, or you think you understand, and that leads to, like, frustration and, yeah, just, like, oh, my God. Like, just so much about this book just felt very, like, authentic and true.
0: Yeah. I mean, what, I think one of the great examples of a, of a moment like that is uh, the first day they get there when, or it might, it might be later on. I might be kind of misremembering the order of events, but it's when her parents are, like, in the kitchen sort of cleaning up. And her dad just, like, goes in to, like, peck his wife on the cheek or her mom on the cheek. And she just, like, recoils and drops the plate. Yeah. And she, like, she, Rose is, like, sitting in the living room. And she, like, looks over and, like, has this kind of moment of shock of, like, well, clearly something is wrong. Mm-hmm. But, like, that how is it possible for something to be wrong with, you know, my parents uh, yeah. or my parents? So it's just, like, oh, another just instance of those, like, fantastic, fantastic moments. And, I mean... This book is really gorgeously drawn too. Oh and, yeah. Um, it's it's, it's, uh,
1: it's a, much like uh, Laura Dinkys bringing up with me. It also has like a limited color palette. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is a. It, it's not quite grayscale, black and white. Like there's some like hu- There's some purples and blues and like hues that like mm-hmm. hues like that that they use to, to suggest things about broader things about the colors of uh, the color background colors or, or, or the mm-hmm. tone of the scene or, or what have you. Um, but it's just really great cartooning style that in in some ways is, is uh, reminiscent of techniques that are used in like manga in the yeah. sense that there is a lot of, uh, and and unlike other western comics and specifically like western superhero comics where there are a lot of panels where there's so much focus put into the character models and having the characters convey emotions rather than trying to fill in all the background and and give and give all like ha- put in all that intricate detail into the into the panels uh, where it's just really focused on getting like the character's facial expressions and their their body language and all of that across and it's yeah, obviously the
1: emotions.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it, which is extremely important, uh, to, to a book like this
1: because
0: so much of it is wrapped up in, in those characters. Um, and another, you know, there's a sequence of panels early on, which it's one of those, it's one of those books where like, there's, there are a lot of like sort of extraordinary things that happen or these things that are like extraordinary for these characters at this time in their life. But, uh, it also does it also captures that feeling of like summer just going by when you're a kid and feeling like kind of monotonous uh where there's a a sequence of pages that are just like it's all these different panels that are just showing different things and each of them has like a time of day on it like all the different things that you do and just an aspect of that that i love is that as they go on the there's more panels on each page and they get smaller and the, the layout, the page layouts become more like scattershot. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good, like encapsulate. It, it does a really good job of like encapsulating like both how much wonder there still is in the world for these characters. And then sort of also how it's starting to to narrow mm-hmm. uh, for them um, as they become more self-aware uh really it kind
1: of reminded me of uh like that that sequence in particular reminded me of are are you familiar with like daily comic day no it's like a a a social media thing where uh like artists will do like uh or hourly comic (sighs) day
0: and oh, okay. That I, I am familiar That's with. That's what I meant. Yeah, it yeah. reminded me
1: of hourly comic day, and uh, like just you know, like a little snippet of like different parts of the day. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was cute. Uh, yeah. But yeah, God, this. So so many things about this book are like told not just through the art, but also like like panel. Like arrangement And I know that's just like a comics thing But it also just felt like I could Like like feel it A lot more reading this book And yeah. uh, There's just well, so much About it that even though it has like kind of a Like a simpler art style Is just fucking
0: gorgeous I, I think part of that too like what you were Saying specifically about like the panel Progression and stuff uh, com- Like Jillian Tamaki I think primarily did, um or at least before she started, like, working in comics more, uh, primarily worked in storyboarding. She worked on a bunch of different that, cartoons. you probably. know, actually,
1: that, like, I, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
0: she, she worked on, knows. like, Adventure Time and some other, like, Cartoon Network oh, stuff I can totally from, see that, yeah. yeah, like, from that, I mean, you can even see it stylistically, right? It's very mm-hmm. much that, like. I think of it as like in like an early late aughts, early 2000, 2010s, like sort of like simplified art style, but like with a lot of focus put on like expressivity in characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which we we've talked about with a couple other books. I mean, even Scott Pilgrim kind of does that, right? Yeah. Uh, although, obviously, it's a different it's a different beast, but it's it's vi- yeah. it is very focused on you know, the characters and, and their expressions and their body language as yeah, opposed definitely. to, you know, in, being intri- being concerned with, like, intricate details.
1: Yeah, the, um, uh, the, the fact that uh, she did storyboarding, like, just, it, it like... Puts, it puts this book into a perspective that, like, it's like, oh, of course. Like, yeah. Because to- you can totally tell.
0: Well, and you can even see it with the way that, like, these panels, like, cut and zoom and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, there's yeah, so like much of that. About- exactly.
1: Like, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like-
0: yeah, that you would see in, like, a medium where the, the panels were actually moving. I mean, there's literally some pages that, like, I have this thought while I was rereading it this time that I and I don't remember noticing this the first time around that look like they would come in those old flip books that you would have as a kid where you would yeah. flip through them and it would, like, create the illusion of someone walking. Yeah. But it's literally like that, where, like, one panel, they're, like, taking a step in the next panel, they're taking, like, exactly the next step. Or it happens on a page turn uh, mm-hmm. a couple
1: times. Yeah.
0: And there's so many, like, elements like that that really it becomes so immersive reading something like reading a book like that in a way that, it isn't necessarily for for a lot of other comics because there's so much focus and attention put into like really small physical things, like just the change of like one panel to the next. I I, I just happen to like pull this up in front of me on my on my uh, monitor is, is this panel of uh, Rose's mom, and it's just the same shot, but in one panel she's her glasses are on, and the next she's like holding them in her hands, and it's just like little details like that that just convey like like. There, there's a there, there's occasionally every once in a while on comics twitter there's this discourse about like if you're going to do a nine panel grid why are you just copying and pasting the characters and changing their expressions slightly but like panels like that and panel sequences like that are so indicative of like why that is such an important technique because there's so much that you can convey with like just by the fact of like you're taking the same shot but changing something small in that frame um and uh, it, it, conve- it there's so much that you can convey like emotionally in just in that space between mm-hmm. between the panels and in and in the change that happens in between them absolutely um, In the gutters it's uh it's all really good stuff i mean the book just looks yeah i mean i i know i said this i like I, I, there's a ton of i could apply a ton of superlatives to to Jillian Tamaki's art cuz it she does an amazing job um you know bringing the whole thing to life so
1: i felt like I don't want to just, like, skip to the end, but, like... Why not? Uh, well, I guess so, then. Um, In a way, it felt like there wasn't, uh, like, a hard resolution, but I also, like, I get that that's probably on purpose because that's, like, how, like, life is, but also mm-hmm. it, I still kind of... it. There was a little bit of me left. Like, I wish we had, like, a little bit more of a hard resolution. You know what
0: I mean? Like, Yeah, no, I, I, I think I know what you mean. I, I, I guess specifically you mean for like the characters. And, yeah. Yeah. It's just
1: like, I, you know, I don't need everything to be like neatly wrapped up with a bow, but like, yeah. there could have been some, there could have been a little more wrapping maybe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does sort of like end on a note where it gets to the point where, you know, things th- there's sort of in like the middle chapters of the book, it's, uh. Things sort of com- Things do sort of come to a head in the way that mm-hmm. you know a lot of like it does have a, a, a fairly traditional story structure in the sense that like you know things are are not going great and then they all it all comes to a head sort of when all culminates
1: uh, in a big climax.
0: Yeah, and then there's like sort of, there is some degree of like emotional resolution, but yeah, like yeah. they they never get to a point where like everything is fully resolved. But that is part of what I like about the structure of the story mm-hmm. is that like. It takes place over the course of a summer and, like, you know, they have to leave at the end and go back to their lives. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, that, like, sometimes you just get to the end and you you can't, like, stay any longer. Like, her parents have to go back to work. She has to go back to school. The kids have to go back to school. And so things just kind of get left on a note on, on whatever note you leave them on. Yeah, um,
1: and I think this will probably that like that will probably reward more on like a reread. It was just one of those things where like I got to the end and I was like, "It's over."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I will say it, it, on a reread, it is it is really interesting because like you have to imagine that like you know, well, you don't have to imagine you. The book tells you that the two main characters haven't seen each other since the previous summer, mm-hmm. and so you have to imagine like at the end of this book in their minds, they're sort of the other one is sort of frozen in that time capsule, right. Mm-hmm. Of what happens at the end of this book, but that would have also happened in the previous summer. And I think that, that makes it kind of, th- th- there was something interesting there about how, like, um, you know, you, you imagine that like, you know, in a, a year from now or, or nine months from now or whatever, mm-hmm. or however m- much time passes between summer visits to the, to the cabin, to these cabins, mm-hmm. like, in Rose's mind, Wendy is the person that we see at the end here. And in Wendy's mind, Rose is the person that we see at the end here. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that that gives it an, an interesting element in sort of in terms of recontextualizing the beginning of the story where, you know, basically from the get go, you see that there's like some, that there are some new tensions in, in the mm-hmm. relationship that they have where, you know, there's sort of Rose's monologue sort of introduces Wendy as this character that is, you know, a great a great friend of hers but she only gets to see her once a year and then you know you see you see that at first but then yeah you you see that they have clearly had different experiences in the time in between mm-hmm. um and that can manifest in, in the way of like in a, like you know the it, it 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 manifests sort of they have like this fault this falling out at one point in the book about like Rose calling the older girls sluts and Wendy telling her that it it's sexist to do that mm-hmm. um but it also just comes in like these smaller moments of like there's that moment where Wendy does like the dance routine that she she learned at a different summer at a summer camp and Rose mm-hmm. is like it's just laughing because it's funny and it is funny like the way it's drawn like it yeah. is very it is very goofy and funny. Well, it's just um, like I find
1: so. anytime you like watch someone do dancing like that like probably without music especially if you're a t- a, like a, a teen or a preteen like your yeah. body's all awkward like it, yeah. yeah it is funny
0: Yeah, it is very I funny I feel very
1: bad for Wendy but it is funny
0: <laughs> it is funny and those pages convey the movement in a way that like it is very clearly like you are I think you are supposed to kind of get a kick out of it like it's, yeah. it's cute but yeah it is yeah. you know it is also goofy and yeah. unpracticed uh, yeah. at the at the same time um but what did you think about those uh like specifically those characters- i mean they are you know the main characters we don't really get much from wendy's p o v it's mostly from roses, but yeah I, what I did wish you think we of those two-
1: more of wendy's p o v but um I liked both of them uh they felt like people that I would have known growing up uh, <laughs> you know like i they had a very like believable summer friendship and it's one of those sort of sad things where you know that like every year their experiences are getting farther and farther apart and like they're probably like they may not be friends forever and like that's sad but it also like that happens you know sometimes people you think are gonna be like someone that you know every year for the rest of your life is just like you know you don't even talk anymore
0: yeah i had a summer friend i thought that was going to happen to us but then we both watched evangelion at the same time and we're still friends to this day because of it so. oh
1: that's what uh <laughs> rose and wendy should have tried that. <laughs>
0: Hey, they're doing it. They're watch. Look, I-, I don't think you ever stop being. If you spend a summer when you're like 12 watching Friday the 13th and Jaws and Nightmare on Elm Street and um, what's the first? Oh, Texas Chainsaw is yeah. the first one they watch. I don't know. That's that's a friend for life right there. You know, <laughs> I-, I also love the I mean, this is just like this is like the film guy in me. Um, and, you know. Also, the the fourteen year old film guy in me of the like when they they watch Jaws together and Rose is like, well, it's so old, it's f- so clearly fake. You can tell the shark was rubber. And then she does this thing where you like, look, you can see the remote control guy in this shot. It's like the most like snobby, like you know, when you're young and you watch a, oh, a, a movie like 100%. that, and you're like, it's not scaring me. It's so fake. um it's it just nails that perfectly, oh, and also like the way that like you talk about movies when you don't really know about them, where you're like w- talking about like Freddie in um Nightmare on Elm Street, which apparently was the one that scared them the most because she has that nightmare of like, and you and Julian Tamaki draws like the last shot of you know the car dri- <laughs> from Nightmare on Elm Street of the car driving off. Um, which of all the ones to like be scared of, you'd think it'd be like Texas Chainsaw, not Nightmare on Elm Street. It's pretty goofy. Like, I don't know. Like, t- your first Texas Chainsaw is like pretty hardcore for a twelve-year-old. Yeah. Like, uh, but that that whole subplot is is really fun.
1: It was so, and I liked like how specific like the movie bits of it were, like like they were just like there like scenes and dialogue from the movies that yeah. were were in these panels uh i just i i found like the attention to detail with that to be uh very charming
0: oh definitely very charming yeah no for sure we should probably talk a little bit about the some of the older well not the older characters and like their parents but the the older teens, the teens. cuz they do play uh the the rowdy teens because yeah, uh, they do play a big role in this. I, I I'm curious to hear some if you have like any some of your thoughts on on those characters and yeah. Um, there's uh the Dud.
1: What was his real name? Duncan.
0: Duncan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like his friend and
0: who's he, always wearing the cringe Spencer's gifts ass shirts.
1: Oh, it was a really good gag. <laughs> <laughs> I love a I love a running T-shirt gag in any comic. Yep.
0: yep. Um, the man, the legend, FBI, yeah. female booby inspectors. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. It's but really good. It's extremely, like, annoying. The most annoying 17-year-old boy shit. Uh, yeah. But it fits because that's who that character is.
1: These, these are absolutely 17-year-old boys that I would have known and, like, <laughs> had, like, weird co- conflicted feelings about i
0: see that's the thing is is duncan duncan's friend that character who wears all the spencer's gifts t-shirts i do love the irony of it that like he's the one who when duncan like gets his girlfriend pregnant is like you have to like be normal about yeah. this like you like he's like, the one he's got like you have to call her dude yeah you have to deal with this like you know, it's a real serious thing because it is a serious thing. And he's doing it while wearing a federal boobies inspector t-shirt, which is just, mm. oh, it's so perfect. It's, it's so perfect. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. I like, and, uh, I don't remember what I was about to say, but, uh, yeah, I like, I, I liked their inclusion in the story because, like, there is that part of adolescence where, like, there are people who are older than you and, like, it feels like they, like, know what's going on or, like... You know, like what life is about, and like you kind of want to impress them, which is what they're doing when like they're renting all the horror. Movies. That's why
0: they rent Texas Chainsaw in the first place. Yeah. It's
1: so, it's so funny. Uh, but I, and I, I like, the, I felt like the, it, it was such a, like an interesting. Like, because you only get snapshots of them. Like, there's so much about the older kids' story that you just don't have the full context for, that you're only getting, like, some of these, like, sort of breadcrumbs, like, the the area where su- they all supposedly hang out that's, like, got, like, I don't know, beer cans everywhere or whatever. And, like, seeing these, like interactions as they go to and from the store or like overhearing conversations while they're over there and like it's just such a it's such a relatable experience to be like piecing together the details of like people around you based on what you have access to yeah uh when you're that age
0: Yeah. And I love that, like, from a reader's standpoint, if you read this as an adult or, like, even when I read this the first time, like, as an older teenager, um, you kind of clock them immediately as being, like, dirtbags. Oh, absolutely. And not, I don't necessarily say that in a bad way. Like, they are like most of them are pretty but, endearing dude,
1: Some teenage boys are just dirtbags like right
0: exactly yeah um but you clock them as like and like not really people that you want to get involved with especially like if you're like younger and i mean yeah. it's not like like it's not like the the older boys are like pursuing you know no, like they're, they're like they're all. they are mostly like very normal about it and like treat they treat them as kids but like yeah the kids just, like, overhear what they're talking, like, their conversations, which are not age-appropriate.
1: And, and and there's p- probably also, pro- you, like, you get the sense that, like, the, the, te- the older teens are, like, like, they are kind of worried about these kids overhearing them, but they also, like, aren't also. Well, because like, they've also of-
0: been those kids, yeah. and it's like, you know, they're going to learn about it one way or another. Like, why, like, who, like, you know they want to self censor, but also they know the futility of of self censoring. Yeah. Um, I honestly the some of those teenage characters are like one of again like on a reread one of my favorite elements of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, because you very much get the sense that, and especially in those scenes where uh, Rose and Wendy end up going w- walking into like the neighborhood where they all live, mm-hmm. like you get the sense that like this is a tourist town that has kind of lost most of its tourist biz- tourism business. And they are characters who feel like, like they're, they're, they're kind of like, they've kind of had the, had the edge honed off of them because this is a book for younger readers, but they are the kinds of people that you see so often, like in these small rural American towns and even in cities, it's not just rural towns, but in cities as well that have sort of been like completely forgotten Mm -hmm. And their, their horizons are, you know, working at the local general store Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, getting drunk with, with their friends. Like, you don't get the sense that these are people who are like, this is a summer job for them, you know, this is their job and this is where they live year round And living there year round probably is not as epic as going there for three years in the summer or three months in the summer when you're 14. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, and, and that's why it's sort of like, it culminates in this big moment where one of them like tries to kill herself, like drown herself in the lake. And that's like, when you have like, it's really like having that external context of like knowing that like, a, there are a lot of people like that who like if something like an unwanted pregnancy does happen to them, especially in a case where like your boyfriend's kind of being an asshole, like the outcomes are not good. Like yeah. th- there's there's not really a way out, right? Like that basically just means like like you don't have access to reproductive like abortion services or reproductive health care. Uh, having a like you know you may live in the richest country in the world, but like childbirth mortality rates are like really embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Like it it makes that, it makes it all like sort of coalesce in something that has like real stakes where up to that point in the book, like the stakes are very much like young kids stakes. Yeah, And then all of a sudden, like when, when you get to that scene where they're all like on the beach looking for her Mm -hmm. and you have that additional like external context, like it just becomes this really heartbreaking and in even like it is like a harp. It is like a, a a really brutal scene to begin with, but having that additional context is just like it's it's like really gut. It's gut wrenching, mm-hmm. um, and really tense. And again, it's like one of those things where like this is where the art comes in again, and the the tonal shifts of like it. You can tell that it is dark. Like you can see the shadows on the characters, and you know it is just the sky is black and the the the, the beach sand is black. And you can't the the visibility is clearly very low. It's just a really, it's just a like massively well put together like sequence mm-hmm. of pages and panels. Yeah, um,
1: definitely.
0: And then it ends with you know the Rose's mom uh, getting her ship back back together by saving somebody from from drowning, which is also a, a nice moment.
1: yeah i i really liked that moment for rose's mom who like is such a for a lot of this book such an enigmatic figure because like you only get like small bits of what she has going on until like she you uh rose overhears these conversations that uh her mom is having with like uh her uh the mom's sister uh rose's aunt or like the other mom uh wendy's mom and it's just like oh she's so sad it's so <laughs> so so sad and, and i like that she gets to have like this heroic moment yeah it sort of brings some life back into her
0: and from a pacing perspective it unravels that perfectly too like you get a few little hints of it at the beginning and it just the breadcrumb trail that it leaves for you is just yes. so great to like where you get to this moment like you under you don't even though you don't have the full context you understand that she is like absolutely at her lowest mm-hmm. and it's also like it's poetic right that you know she miscarried it at in the water at this beach and now she's saving a, a pregnant girl mm-hmm. from drowning at this beach there is a poetic angle to that as well that mm-hmm. you know gives it a little bit more meaning yeah also it's just a, it's a great moment all around and, and an even better moment honestly is when she's uh when she's sitting on the couch with Wendy's mom with the blanket in their blankets drinking drinking <laughs> drinking and, <laughs> and have it like kind of like having the debrief about what just happened and. You know, you, you actually see some life in her for the first time in the book. She doesn't, there's no, like, there's none of, like, the reservations and the, mm-hmm. the meekness that's, you know, been there up to up to that point.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, so, definitely.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of really, you know, again, I feel like I have said that there's a lot of really fantastic moments in this book over and over and over, but that is because... It's hard not to. It, it's hard not to because it is the truth about this comic.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, what did you think of, so, you, had you read any, uh, Tamaki work before Laura Dean keeps up with me?
1: No, I was mostly familiar with her through
0: Reputation. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's and, fair.
1: like, the, the, I am, I am not Starfire controversy from, what was that, 2020?
0: Uh. Oh, that's the young the adult. That's the young adult
1: mm-hmm.
0: book, right? Okay, yeah. I, I, I was like, what? Oh, but i i do remember this yeah.
1: yeah which i also still haven't read but i will probably get around to eventually uh no i like,
0: you weren't I, running out for uh her detective comics story
1: uh i didn't know she did a detective Comics story
0: yeah she in 2020 uh last year okay she wrote no, four I, issues of Detective Comics.
1: No, I just I was familiar with her through reputation, and I art and I owned Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. I just had not read it until ah, okay, we right. we did it for the show. Uh, and but I was uh, I you know had uh, pretty high high hopes for this just based off uh, name alone, and I uh, was rewarded for that because yeah. this book slaps. It's great. I,
0: I'm curious, um, and I mean, this can be a bit reductive sometimes, but I'm curious how you thought that it compared, like, not even necessarily in quality, but just thematically with with Laura Dean, like, if you see any sort of through lines there, or... Well, I mean,
1: they're both very, like, authentic uh, expressions of, uh, like, different parts of adolescent experience. Um, I mean, Laura Dean is slightly more, like, I, you know, it won't surprise anyone that I like that one slightly more, but, uh, you know, like, what are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> but, uh,
0: there's no toxic I, female manipulator lesbians in this Well, book, there's so. no,
1: there's not much, there isn't very, there's mention of lesbians, but there aren't any lesbians in the book. So, yeah. uh, you know, like it didn't have that going for it, but, uh, <laughs> Well, except, you know, like we can speculate on Wendy, but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, you know, like there's, uh, there's the, like, that both of these books involve, like, tragic circumstances around pregnancy and teen pregnancy, and Mm -hmm. so I think that's interesting, um, and I, I like that they're, they're both very different. Uh, I like that, that it's very two, it, I it, like technically three, if you count like the two different pregnancy related storylines in this book as two separate things. Uh, I like that they're like approached in different ways. So it doesn't feel like a retreading of like themes between books. Uh, I feel like they work well in conversation with one another. Uh, Definitely. Just because, like, it's sort of, you know, just about, like, the uh, adolescent female experience, basically.
0: I mean, there, there are great examples of, like, books that are written and drawn for younger audiences that actually, like, deal with, you know, imp- like... Deal with like not necessarily like deeper, but like you know, or not I, I, deeper or darker, but heavier, yeah, heavier subject matter and stuff that is like relevant to people with that age, but like of that age, but like you get a lot of children's media, or I, not that these are like for children, like they're not like you wouldn't give this to your eight year old. No, these
1: are definitely like, like t- young, like young to older teen.
0: Yeah, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that even for that demographic that is. Um, I don't want to say even as a, it's not even necessarily that it's patronizing no, I was it's just gonna that say
1: patronizing so
0: yeah I mean patronizing it's not exactly what I'm like it it is it is patronizing but it is also like it also has the edges honed off of it mm-hmm. um especially with like a lot of corporate media which obviously because of well, the it, nature of it's the much, market dumps it's much safer yeah exactly and it's it's always refreshing to read stuff like this that is like, for younger audiences that also had, like, the the, it's not like the, you know, know, like people always used to say that, like, you know, people love saying about like kids movies that it's like, this is like, you know, there's something in there for the parents as well, which usually means like there's a reference to some 80s movies or something like that, you know, whereas this is like, yeah. yeah. Whereas like, this is actually like, you know, you can read a book like this as an adult and still feel like it's, saying something compelling and interesting about, you know, themes that are still relevant to you. Absolutely. And maybe it's not doing it to the, like, with the depth or to the degree of similar works that are actually written for, you know, adults, but it is still very much, like, written not thinking that the, Intended audience is a bunch of dipshits who don't yeah. under, who have no understanding of the world. Yeah, um, it, and and it both really this and the reader, yeah, and both this one summer and Laura Dean keeps working up with me, kind of do that. I Again, I think I think you mentioned this, but Laura Dean is obviously for a slightly older audience mm-hmm. than than this, but they both have that same kind of like in the, the way they handle their thematic content with, you know, pregnancy and coming of age and. Stuff like that are very similar in terms of how they treat the yeah. reader.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, yeah, less toxic, less of a, less toxic relationships in this book. <laughs> um, most of them uh, probably, you know, also has them, but they're more off. They happen more. Yeah, they're
1: they're like and... off screen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Well, I guess we can you know kind of start wrapping up. But uh, who do you who do you think cries the most in in this one summer?
1: I mean, it's, like, it's the mom. Come on. Like, that's, like, no (laughs) contest. Yeah, it is just
0: one of the... It is one of the really obvious ones. It is absolutely, uh, absolutely Rose's mom. Did you, uh...
1: Did you, like... Did anything about the experience of this book, like, change between now and the first time you read it?
0: Uh... I mean, it's definitely weird reading this book as a 25 year old Uh, in in ways that it's not like, even as a 17 year old, it's not because you're like way closer to to that age Mm -hmm. um, of like, you know, like when I was like that age, even though this wasn't like something that like I was like super in, like, you know, the kind of story that I was super into, you read it. It's like, oh, like, this is kind of like, it's not necessarily about my current experience, but it's kind of about my experience, you know, two or three years ago. Um, Reading it now is like, yeah, this is, you know. It's still very good, and I still think it's a fantastic book, but it's, like, it's much more like, yeah, you know, this is not really, this is, for as good as this is, and for as much as I think, like, you know, adult, a, a lot of adults probably would get something out of this, it is very much not for people who are this far past uh, that the point in their lives being depicted in, in this book, so... Um, but also I have a different lens. You know, I'm coming at it from a different perspective now. I'm also coming at it from a different perspective of like having read a lot more stuff in this in this vein now. Uh-huh. Um, whereas at the time, like this is like this was like this was the era where I was like purposefully starting to branch out from superhero comics a little bit. So like this is like up there with like a few other like like or like you know that there's like a slew of like image books at this time that had just started like like saga sex criminal stuff like that mm-hmm. um which it doesn't exactly fit with those it's very different but it was you know some one of the first things for me in comics that I was this was the fir- probably the first comic that I read that was like this you know okay, that was drawn yeah. in this style that was sort of like a slice of life coming of age book um i mean i read this even before things like uh you know, before, like, reading Atrium Tomine's work or before reading, okay. like, uh, Alison Bechdel or, or other things that you would sort of think of as being not necessarily 100% in this lane, but, you know, mm-hmm. similar enough. Um, I read this, you know, Blankets also is in there uh, around this time. I, I mean, it came out, I think, well before that, but yeah, I read it for the first time around this time, so. Okay, yeah. The Sculptor as well. I, we keep coming back to The Sculptor, but yeah, this is also, it's we will also read another one. Another one that is like that's sort of like you know, slice of life coming of age, sort of semi autobiographical. Um, but yeah, I love
1: a semi
0: autobiographical graphic novel. Yep, you really do, you really love to see it. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: I guess I was going to ask you who you think cries the most, but I think we did just establish that I, it is the mom. Yeah, it, it,
0: there's no other like answer that even approaches being reasonable. I, like, I think. I, the,
1: um, what was her name? Sally, the girlfriend.
0: Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's
1: like a close second,
0: but. Yeah. Uh, she just doesn't get as much screen at uh, page time, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. And you know, she's also only been crying for like a few weeks and the mom's had like 12 months of just being in her feelings. Oh
1: yeah, Exactly.
0: So, um, but yeah, we'll, uh, go ahead and wrap it up for, uh, this one summer there. Um, but before we go, we have to address the sound that's playing in the background that I hear right now, which is the, uh, the sound of the doomsday clock, uh, which means we should begin the Cryspace segment, a new segment we're trying in 2023. Never done it. Haven't done it once before. Um, so that, but this is a you know where the we talk it's all about, about the host. trying
1: new things. Yeah,
0: yeah, but where the host can talk about something that made us cry in the since we last recorded can be you know there's a lot of emotions that inspire crying: happiness, sadness, anger, disgust, uh, remorse, longing, deep feelings of agony. You know, we run the gamut here. Um, but Emily, what is your, uh, cry space this week?
1: Uh, something that made me cry, uh, was I watched, uh, the, I watched Guillermo del
0: Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, I, and, I didn't mean to get around to that.
1: And, um, I had eaten an edible before the movie, <laughs> and, uh, there was, like... There's a part in the beginning of the movie that's just really sad. And I was like, I was like, really, uh, I was really, really, really crying. It really got me. Uh, I mean, the whole movie is just really fucking good. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, like I'm a slut for, uh, stop motion animation, but like in particular, this movie is just so fucking gorgeous. And like the, I mean, you know, it's Del Toro. So the creature design is like off the shits, like. Nice. so so fucking good um but yeah i it did the the movie did make me cry more than once but definitely like the part the sad part in the beginning like really got me <laughs> so I, yeah that was my cry space i need to get around
0: to that uh, I, d- d- I definitely
1: recommend i really liked it uh
0: yeah mine uh was and this is gonna probably date when we're recording this um the Detroit Lions took an L over the weekend, which you know what. Normally, I wouldn't be that upset about it because it it do be happening. I'm, I'm I should be used to it. Um, but if they had won uh, this weekend and gone to an eight and seven record, they would have had a really good shot at controlling their destiny for getting into the playoffs. Um, but now that they are seven and eight, they a lot has to, they have to not only win their next two games, which to be fair they should smash the packers uh, and aaron Fraudgers, um but they they may not i am not i don't love their chances against the vikings by the time this comes out we'll know we'll we'll know if they made it to the playoffs or not but i'm currently in my feelings about you know a lot having to go right over the next 2 weeks for for them to make it um and i'm still i'm still rooting for them but i'm you know my My excitement is a little bit dulled after losing to the fucking Carolina Panthers, one of the most failed teams in the league.
1: I I don't know anything about sports, but I am sorry for your loss.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. I considered talking about Avatar The Way of Water, which also made me cry, but, you know. Also a great movie. You should go see Avatar The Way of Water.
1: I need to get out and see that one. I also need to see fucking... This is not, we need to end the show, but I need to see this fucking Puss in Boots sequel. I hear it. Slaps. Oh, I've actually
0: heard that is like real. I'm not going to. It slaps
1: real hard. Yeah,
0: I'm not going to see it, but I have heard nothing but like really positive things about that movie. So. I thought
1: that when the trailer came out that it looked incredible, so I'm not surprised to hear that it slaps, but yeah. uh,
0: I, 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 I sort see of. I sort of. My brain just sort of turns off when trailers for Dreamworks movies come on the screen. Not even animated movies, but like Dreamworks movies I specifically, don't blame like you.
1: like I just like I saw part of the trailer on Twitter and I was like, "Oh, this art style looks interesting." So I actually like clicked yeah. and watched it and I was like, "Oh, huh. Okay." But Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um so
0: that's the show i guess that's that's the show that's this week's episode of Crying in the book club the shortest episode to date perhaps but that's what happens when what's
1: well, the shortest panel to date so that's
0: true that is true i was gonna say that's what happens when you don't have alex but the longest episode also doesn't have alex but also we're not talking about you know co-hitting cambria <laughs> on this so uh... We should buy tickets to the cruise. We should go on the cruise. Oh, I wish, they, cruise. I wish they were requiring people to be
1: vaccinated. I know. <laughs> that's
0: that's that's what's going to kill it for me and make me justify not going is that there's no vaccine requirement. That's
1: literally the one and thing that is keeping I know. people from doing
0: this. And they did last year. Last year they had a vaccine requirement and there was still a COVID outbreak after the cruise from what I understand. But, like, they at least took some precautions so maybe twenty twenty-four is the year of the Cohit and Cambria cruise. Twenty twenty-four, the year of the sickos. Yeah, uh, that's gonna
1: be us. We're the sickos.
0: <laughs> we're the sickos who are going who are going on the Coheed and cambria cruise. Hopefully the lineup is the lineup last year was really good and the lineup this year is less good too. So like last year had the deer hunter and like taking back Sunday. Like
1: Oh yeah.
0: That's a good line it was a good lineup. Anyway, Wait, is the fucking
1: sunny day real estate gonna be there? this year oh
0: you know what that's true sunny day real estate is gonna be there this year so anyway it's uh yeah where, where anyway people
1: find us on twitter we,
0: john yeah we can't talk about the coheed and cambria cruise anymore um you can follow the podcast on twitter at uh at crime book club on yeah on twitter i think i said that mm-hmm. um you can find alex on twitter at, at alex hansiak you can find me on twitter at, at @nondueliker. do like or you can also follow my letterboxed. Uh, which is JL Bot Bill. Um, currently, just doing a lot of 2022 catch up, uh, <laughs> watching a lot of movies that I missed because I was in, you know, a fucking dog shit city that doesn't have enough movie theaters with, you know, like uh, not like the based city I was in pre- in previous years where I could go see mo- move good movies in theaters. So now I'm stuck watching them at home on my parents' motion smooth TV. Uh, but it's okay. It's okay. I turned off motion smoothing. We're good. Um, so that's, you can follow me there. Um, Emily, where can people find you?
1: They can find me on Twitter at MPandanada. And they can find me on Letterboxd and Twitch at Pandabore. Where uh, on Twitch, I am still probably doing Ace Attorney uh, at s- somewhere in the series. Uh, who knows where, but somewhere. And uh, you can check out my other podcasts, Imagine Me in Utina, and the Fresh Podcast Market.
0: And that looks terrible. That does look terrible. Speaking of that, looks terrible. I sorry. Last tangent. Did you see? Have you seen the Grinch horror movie?
1: I wait. Maybe?
0: That like just came. It, that just came out like this year. I have you heard? It's called The Mean One. Seen this? Uh, you should watch the trailer for the mean one. Um, I was ready to write it off in the same way that I wrote off Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, because I think it's dumb. But then I found out that the guy who plays Art the Clown from, who is my friend from the Terrifier movies, uh, is playing the Grinch in this, and I, I have to see it. Oh,
1: no, I have oh. not. I have not seen this yet. But I just googled it, and
0: I you should, this. you should watch the trailer. It, it's had it a real. It had a very limited theatrical release, um, and so far there's only cam rips that I've been able to find online, but I'm sure, and I might, I might just end up cutting this, but I'm sure that at some point there will be uh, a good version of it floating around.
1: Yeah, and definitely.
0: So if you need a Christmas movie for That Looks Terrible for next oh, year, yeah. that may be a that's one a, to look to. That's great. But anyway, uh, until next time What are we doing? Oh, next next episode We're actually having Chad back on I think we said that at the end of the Civil War episode This time it's real uh, And we will actually be talking about uh, The 2016 uh, miniseries The Hunt uh, And so we'll look forward to uh, Seeing y'all for some Irish Demons yeah. uh, In two weeks time Goodbye Goodbye